you. Are now about to witness the awesome, crushing might of the UGS. Robinson show stop ah! oh, I'm dizzy welcome my friends to a show that seemingly apparently kind of sort of never ends uh, yeah, I'm back to that again. I got a juice up here. It's Captain Freakout from Planet Hot and Tight. Also known as the Showstopper. Thanks for coming. There's been a break of a few weeks. I'll explain all that. Right after Bob Riley from Stigmata sings the words that kick it all off. The record's called Calling of the Just. It's our bumper music. We're from Troy, New York. The song is called Intro All of Nothing. And it's still carried, as far as I know, by Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California. City where they try to fucking hit your car with a hammer. My first and last experience with Hanging Beach. But listen, listen well. I'm on my way back to nowhere. I took my time with a good night. I'm taking a real good look at you. At your face. So being paid back in full. Always nothing. Okay, I, I, I turned the phone upside down and the thing happened and the, the song started another one. We're done. We got the intro. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. So let's I get to it. Uh, hold on. The headphones haven't kicked in yet. So that means that you're still... Uh, there you go. Now you get me through the headphones. Uh, so, so far, no major screw-ups outside of the music. Cutting out before we got to the line. You know, all of nothing. It doesn't matter. You've heard it before. It's called Stigmata. Song's called Intro Calling of the uh, Intro All of Nothing from the record Calling of the Just. And uh, let's let, let's start right away. So uh, uh, explanation. This is V V18. V17 was a few weeks ago. Uh, for those confused about my peregrinations, let me say to you very uh, very briefly, I was in Italy on tour with Boonwell for eight or nine days. We did a record called The Easy Way Out. We filmed the first video for it uh, when, we, when uh, uh, I was there. There was like a live video that was done, a professionally done live video before. This was an actual theatrical video and um, which we recorded over a series of nights in, uh, in Milan and a couple of other places. Came back to America, went back to work, jet lag as fuck for a week. And then flew off again May nineteenth to play the twenty first uh, three shows in uh, in Germany. These time, one of these shows was was uh, with the Oxbow, the band Oxbow, uh, still uh, pimping Thin Black Duke, a record that you can get in Spotify, Title, Amazon, and you should get it. We just came on an accounting period, and I got to thank you from my heart. Seems like you actually have listened to me and have bought the record. I know people don't need to do that these days, but it means something. And so thank you for that. Um, Bunuel, I haven't seen the figures on the new record, The Easy Way Out, but it just came out, so it's too soon to tell. And then I did, uh, Oxbow did a show with Peter, the uh, uh, free jazz saxophone great, Peter Brutzman, Brutzman and uh, father of Casper. Casper was nowhere to be seen, uh, uh, but Peter showed up to a set with Oxbow. It was, it was, it was like God 
was in my head. I don't say stuff like this often, but it was probably one of the peak experiences of my life, probably up there with uh, playing with Nick Cave and uh, Barry Adamson at the Royal Jazz Festival at, at the London Jazz Festival, Royal Albert Hall. Uh, Moore's was at, outside of Dusseldorf. It's uh, also a jazz festival. And uh, Oxbow played in this huge theater in the round where uh, there are people sitting all around us. Uh, Art, A-R-T-E, is, is uh, uh, streaming it, uh, the whole show, live until May 31st. So you might want to check it out if you're interested in the musical peregrinations. And then I did uh, uh, two sets with Madimba Marimbo. Decided that the, the uh, curator said, I'm into seeing what happens when you take creative people, you jumble them together and see what happens. And it actually, there were three people from Germany, three people from Kinshasa, three Indian cats, um, uh, and, and me. And those shows ended up being pretty compelling, co compelling as well. We went uh, into the Netherlands and Nijmegen did a show at another festival, came back and did a show uh, at, on this big stage at and Moors uh, in Germany. So, and then I flew back and uh, back here, picked up my mom. My mom is here, my mom, her husband, my sister comes in tomorrow, is doing memorializing, even though we haven't had members of the family who have served in the service since the Spanish-American War. Uh, it, it is a day of remembrance of sorts. So that's that that brings us completely up to time. I'm still jet lagged to fuck. Uh, but if you follow me on Instagram at Mr. Sleep three, you can see some of the photos uh, from the show. Uh, maybe more noteworthy was me playing ping pong with Ravi Coltrane, John Coltrane's son. Yeah. You know, my stepfather used to beat me savagely in any game of foot. Foot races, wrestling, checkers, chess, poker, cars, anything. My mom said, well, why don't you let him win every now and then? Don't you think that'd be, because what kind of message would that send? So consequently, you know, you got an insanely competitive lunatic. So I go uh, to put, I see Ravi Coltrane over there. I go, you know, I always liked his dad. I challenge this guy. He's at the ping pong table. He's waiting for some other German guy. And I've seen how when people play celebrities, they kind of dog it like Kadriov, right? The guys are playing soccer with him and they're falling down on the I got that. You don't want to get shot in the head later. You kind of lose. I remember guys playing basketball with Obama. He said if he felt like you were dogging it, he would never invite you back. So one guy heard that and went and was like playing butcher ball, elbowing him under the boards. He never got back, invited back either. I want you just to play normally. Just play like as a normal guy. So I get, I'm fucking up 11 to six. And all I could think about is when I score that 12th winning point, how badly I'm going to rub it in his face. I'm going to go, go, I'm going to go jujitsu merciless. I'm going to be like, oh, so your father wrote giant steps. And, 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 but I just crushed you. I crushed you with baby steps. I've been in your face. And, and I, I, the ideation of this lasted so long it was so completely thorough the guy caught up erased a deficit and beat me by one point at which tag i coined a hashtag hashtag fuck ping pong and all i could think about is why you don't play fucking golf with jim brown because no matter how nice of a guy jim brown is jim brown became jim brown because he's got that fucking gene thing that makes him more competitive than god so uh, or lucifer as the case may be so you you could beat Jim uh, Brown in golf, but you wouldn't win the fight that was subsequently followed. So he's like, ah, good game, buddy. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good game. I got an idea. <laughs> I couldn't do that. I just go, yep, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> You're good. So long. And I went and sat down and, and, and actually, actually got irked for about that. I'm not with him. I love that guy. It's just with me. So anyway, that's, that's what I've been doing. Uh, but this ties in the Jim Brown discussion ties into um, uh, something that I want to, I want to, I'm going to back end in the, into the intro into this. And that's, um, and that's, and I'm sure the internet phraseology that everybody, the buzzwordy thing that everybody's, you know, like people get, they get, they start talking like sitcoms and they start using words like, you know, we, we, we have 
idiomatic jargon that everybody kind of gets simultaneously because they, they watch the same shows, you read the same internet, they read the same stories, the same people, and they talk to the same people about the same things. So right away, if I use a shorthand and I say something like toxic masculinity, you have a whole set of arguments either for or against why this is somehow significant, important to you, or the manner in which it is. And I'm not saying anything except to indicate by way of laying down a flag where we start vis-a-vis a guy who beat you for beating him in a game, right? And how much I had to swallow. So I go into jujitsu and there's some guys there and they're talking about, I go out to the car because I got like 10 trips to make. I got to load stuff in. And there's a guy talking about Jocko Willenick. I guess I'm pronouncing his name right. And he's a, a former SEAL. And, 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 I, and I start to make a funny face when his name comes up. And all the guys who train jujitsu with us, who are former Marines, they start, oh, don't you start with Jocko. Don't you, don't you, Jocko. And I'm, no, 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 no. I've never spoken to the man. Seems like a well-intentioned guy. Seems like a nice guy. Like the shtick. But you do understand that there's a through line. And he's like, well, I'm just telling you, I get, I told my son to watch this, his, his podcast or his thing. And I gave him some Jocko's words to live by. And I said, you guys, listen, listen, listen. You can't take, you know, Apollonian ideals and make them work in a Dionysian world. And then I got this. For those listening on the radio, it's like, uh, like when you show your dog your cell phone. Now, I'm not saying the guys I train with are stupid. It's not the point. The point is, look, the guy said, I just want my kid to get up for school on time. You know, I just want a really basic thing, you know, work hard, hard work, you know, quitters never win, all that Vince Lombardi hoo-ha that, you know, these guys. And I go, yeah, 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 but I, I want you to go macro on this stuff. And they go, like, what are you, what are you talking about? I go, this kind of guy has existed very specifically in America since when? Shades of this guy existed. I mean, you, when you had guys who understood the value of hard work, when you didn't have to dig so deep to kind of have this normative idea of of manhood in America. In other words, when you had men in America back in the, in the 40s, say, um, uh, uh, maybe you had the early, early strivings of somebody who simply and simplistically spelled it out vis-a-vis uh, Charles Atlas. But the lesson that made a man out of Mac was in the back of every single comic book, men's gazetteer magazine, the true detective, all these magazines. And he goes to the beach with his very attractive girlfriend and some guy is playing ball. He's being very virile on the beach, playing ball and running back and forth. And he happens to kick sand in our, uh, in Mac's face. And Mac kind of complains. And the guy comes and says, you know, I'd punch in your face, you bag of bones, but you might blow up and dry away. And Mac goes home and, and his girlfriend says, it's okay, little boy. She says to her boyfriend, you know, you're not a fighter. You're a lover or some variation of that. And they go home and he's kicking the chair and goes, God damn it. I'm tired of being, I'm going to gamble a stamp. That I love that phrase, gamble a stamp on, uh, on Charles Atlas. And I'm going to get this thing. And he gets it and he starts uh, lifting weights, goes back to the beach. No, no idea how much time has elapsed and uh, finds a guy and fucking breaks his jaw. And uh, and then then he's on the like he's being hoisted by other beta men and uh, and women are clamoring around him. You know, he showed he sure showed that bully. Ah, okay, All right. So there's some early strivings of that. But keep in mind, these the placement of these were in the backs of comic books. Right. Uh, True Detective magazines, maybe. But this wasn't largely an issue because the, the, the modus operandi here was it was drawn from the common and, and, and popular standard zeitgeist. You weren't telling, in other words, you weren't telling anybody anything new. This didn't start to be a real issue until, until the upending of tra- uh, tradition that came via the age of Aquarius in the 60s a section, a section of time that George C. Scott claimed was one of the worst things to ever happen to America, which I, I really like George C. Scott and I took issue with. And and then finally, over the course of time, I started to realize I, he was right in a, in a certain way. Civil rights moves, great. 
the backlash they encouraged, not so great. The fact that people had to dig in and Southern strategies, the shifting of the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, civil rights legislation, you know, we all, we're two steps forward, we're two steps back. Yeah, but at least, you know, I'm not, uh, uh, you know, at least I can drink for whatever water fountain I want, right? That's great. Yeah, uh-huh. I can get whatever job I want, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. I can live wherever I want, right? Uh-huh. As long as you got the money. Oh, really? So the money immunizes me against it. Nah, not really. I, I got that. Okay. So, um, but you didn't have this thing until the traditional roles, specifically uh, Carl Gerasi, uh, creation of the birth control pill and, um, and, you know, people doing research into sex and sexuality and, uh, women questioning the premise of how it is that I should apply myself to being a woman vis-a-vis sexuality, even asking the questions created not a crisis of confidence, but I guess a crisis of confidence. You know, it's, if we're get, questioning traditional roles, you know, you have the video, the audio tape of the guy, the students doing a takeover of administration building, and these guys get in there, and they're all busting through the doors, and they were all risking getting billy clubbed by cops, and they get in, and the guys go, okay, you girls, why don't you make us some sandwiches, and we're going to do some planning. It's like, what the fuck? We're questioning roles. We don't get out of the 60s. Okay, after the seriousness of the 60s, there was some sort of playtime where there was bisexuality chic, there was asexuality chic, there were people men wearing sarongs, there was disco, there was a loosening of uh, people wanted to have fun. There was a, the profusion of cocaine as it was, as, you know, all that tough stuff. They talk about Marlon Brando having sex with Marvin Gaye and, and Richard Pryor having sex with Marlon Brando and everybody's having sex with it. This is pre, pre-AIDS where people are like, hey, it's an experimentation thing. Doesn't mean I'm gay just because I suck a little dick. Sure, it doesn't mean you're gay. That's fine. So we, we, we've had this kind of sensation, in t- and then finally, finally toward the end of the 70s, it, and make no mistake, these timelines, I'm not saying that these are weirdly coincidental, but they might be weirdly coincidental as we start to see the appearance of Kaposi's sarcoma, or what they used to call AIDS in the beginning, HIV, and, you know, the, the uh, you know, the, the, the gay, um, the gay, the gay party screeching to a, a tragic halt. Reagan ignoring, ignoring the plague because it was a gay disease. He just didn't give a shit about that portion of America. We, we, before he could even say the word AIDS or HIV, many years went by. Lives are lost. Most creative, you know, our best and brightest gone. But suddenly there was this thing of like, where am I? Where am I as a man? You know, um, Women are making as much as I am. They're getting educated at at a, at a, in a more aggressive rate than I am. Where am I as a, as an average Amer- American man? And there's an appearance of a guy somewhere in the mid '80s called Iron John. I could have these dates wrong, but the timeline is not overly wrong. And Iron John was all about going to the woods with other dudes, and as far as I could see, setting fires, beating drums, and uh, and uh, and. Uh, hugging each other and crying about their fathers. That seemed to me to be the case. I widely mocked it. The reaction to it on on the on the left was Leo Buscaglia, the shyness guy. He wrote, I think, a, a couple of books on shyness, but who said, look, the problem in, in America and with American masculinity is largely self-esteem. Low self-esteem makes you do these things. So he got, uh, he and John Vasconcelos, I think, uh, uh, Buscaglia was a hug guy. Vasconcelos was a self-esteem guy. They got into the California prisons. This guy, we're going to increase self-esteem until somebody actually, a nice idea, somebody did a study and found out almost the exact opposite was true, that most of the prisons, prisoners in prison are in there because of exceedingly high self-esteem. In other words, I, I, I carjacked that guy because I should have a car like that. I raped that woman because I should be having sex with women like that. I robbed that bank because I don't deserve to work at Burger King. You know, I deserve. So then they, that, that kind of quietly, that, that reaction to the Iron John men find themselves in their masculinity, that kind of was a reaction to that. And that got scuttled. But you still had that. You still had this weird cult of strength. Now, if you remember, uh, pre-Night of the Long Knives in Nazi Germany, Ernst Röhm, the guys from World War One who had been in the trenches with Hitler uh, in, in Germany, they were also a, a cult of strength, and they were a, 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 they had become street fighters. They had the freedom of the streets, as they, they, the phrase phraseology that the Nazis used to like about the running street battles with with communists, um, seasoned street fighters, all. But these were weird cults of strength, and when they got them, when they when they decide to essentially 
do a internal party cleansing. Um, they found these guys, this cult of strength guys. All uh, Ernst Rome was a known out, out, out and about an open uh, homosexual. They were all having a men's week, uh, you know, an officer's weekend away. He loved, he, 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 it was a culture of strength, worship of strength, and they were aggressively uh, 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 homosexual. And, you know, Hitler killed them all and uh, and moved ahead with his program without any people contesting his moves forward. Uh, um, I, I say this because the cult of strength thing ha has, has endured. So from Iron John, there was a minor league reaction via Vasconcelos and Buscaglia, but with a more sensitive man, Mr. Rogers was a response to you know, Hercules cartoons and Batman, the over ideated kind of machismo of most, uh, uh, you know, giganto or most childhood TV fair. And, and then, you know, so we got Iron John and that kind of passed when people thought it was kind of jive ass, you know, um, and, and then there were a few years in the wilderness and then there were very uh, variations on, on the theme. Um, like I, I, there was a step in between Iron John and in the woods, then the men, the, the crying. In any case, let, let's take a jump ahead to MRA, men's men's rights activism, the MRA guys, and uh, and where we are presently with uh, these cats who kind of come out of a punk rock scene. Uh, like I'm thinking very specifically of a Gavin McInnes and the Proud Boys, um, who who saw movies like Fight Club. And uh, now Chuck Palahniuk has been kind of accused of being part of this, or at least meeting with these neo-pagan guys who uh, who essentially have been burning down black churches and so on. And and these are all uh, cult of strength guys. Um, there was a neo-Nazi group in Germany where one of the leaders had said that we can't waste our seed with women because that that uh, devalues our, our our strength. It weakens us fundamentally. It domesticates us. We don't desire to be domesticated, but we recognize the need for sexual expression. So the best thing would be for us to have sex with each other. So that way we keep our seed intact. We feed on seed to get stronger and more vital and fight. And all the other neo-Nazis like, hey, hey that sounds kind of gay, bro. Because no, 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 it's not gay. It's about this is how we stay strong and vital. This is a German neo-Nazi group. And so that group splintered from the guys who thought the way, really a bona fide way to stay strong and vital is to you know, consume each other's semen. And the other guys were like, hey, man, I just want to beat up commies. You know, I, that really didn't, and, and, and people from India, I didn't really come for this semen uh, consorting, uh, consuming thing. So um, so you have these these cults of strength and they're all they're all attempts to lay out ground markers for what it means to be a man which we talked about i think on v v16 so forth in light of of course you know, the continuing me too thing the the thing with morgan freeman kind of hurt it hurt it hurt just a little bit somebody said well he's just a dirty old man there's a difference yeah there's a difference a dirty old man who makes 100 million dollars and has a company is not just a dirty old man i will end up being maybe just a dirty old man but I got, you know, it's the guy, don't go over to his house. How's about that? Stay away from, you know, don't wear a low cut top. I mean, no, no, it's, I'm speaking broadly and generally. I'm, this is, I'm not that kind of creep. But the reality of it is, dude was hiring people. They worked for him. He created a fucked up work environment. Really? You don't think so? How about you work for Morgan Freeman and have him look you up and down? You ever been in that position? You ever have a, 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 a I had a, this guy, I don't need to, he worked at Interview Magazine. We're going oh, to put you in Interview Magazine. We're walking down the sidewalk. He drops back. I figure he had something to say to somebody. So I slow my walk, but I'm walking in front of him. And I and I hear him closer behind me than I thought. He's like, mm. I go, what, what the fuck are you doing, man? He goes, I just had to see you walk from behind. It's like, ah, oh, man. Hey, man, I thought we were talking about the radio show. Come on. Well, fuck, fuck off with that stuff, you know? And, and, and women are doing this every day. They do it at work. They do it on the way to work. They do it on the way home from work. They do it while at work. They do it. it it's it, it's incorrigible. Fucking the hurricane hits and the earthquake hits Haiti. People are fucking dying from dysentery. They're crawling through the streets like fucking worms. And there were still guys scraping together pennies to, to I'll give you a dollar if you suck my dick. How about that? I, I, I don't have nothing to eat. I have nowhere to live. I don't have clean potable water. I ha I got nothing, but I got a dollar and a need. It's it's the nature of the thing. I got that. I got that. So um, 
so we we have these uh, 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 these cults of strength that are built around putting flags in the sand for for understanding what it is to to be a modern man. And so you know the whole proud voice thing and the and this kind of punk rock derived thing of I want to be able to say it. I'm tired of being afraid. And fundamentally, when I'm saying I and I I'm not talking about me, okay. And in fact, I'm not even talking about people who look like me. The crisis at hand that we're identifying is a crisis for white American malehood. That's who we're talking about. Or if it makes you feel better, let's say the majority versus minority interest. And your minority interest, I mean, you know what I spend most of my time worried about? Cash. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm not worried about uh, you know, I, I'm not worried about immigrants. I'm not worried about my wife sup suppressing or trying to, all, I'm not worried about, all I'm worried about is cash. Day in, day out, I wake up and that's all I'm thinking about. Cash, 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 cash. I say yes to everything that's cash bearing and, uh, and hope I could get the work done so I don't have to give any cash back. That's it. You guys might be sitting around and having a good time. I'm thinking about cash. That's why this show is on patreon.com slash the stomper, T-H-E stomper. Because if you so like, feel so in, 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 induced, you can give some money, cash, because I need it. So anyway, so we get, and then you have this spate of guys and you have very sp certain specific types. If a guy likes Danzig, he probably likes Henry Rollins. If he likes Henry Rollins and Danzig, He's probably found a fellow traveler in Jocko Wilnick, you know, and and there there is something incredibly pleasing about the culture of strength and and the Apollonian, which is the super the, the super ego kind of approach to discipline and, and control and essentially using bio, biology to destroy your to overcome your biology. Straight edge movement was part of that in the 80s, right? That was on, on the on the alternative side. To when Iron John was happening, you had people equally strident in the punk rock scene. Don't drink. Don't smoke. Don't fuck. At least I can fucking think. Um, that, that was a line from a song of, sung by Minor Threat, Ian Mackay. These guys were all like, you know, initially skateboarders. They were, you know, the guys in D.C. said, oh, yeah, when we got to Boston, they were all crews and they were called themselves crews. And they were using a lot of sports terminology. And you can see we felt very uncomfortable with that. It's like, motherfucker, what the fuck are you talking about? Don't tell me. I've been to D.C. It was a female hating boys club all the same. Just because you didn't call it crews because you didn't like sports because you were chosen last for soccer. That's nobody's fucking business. The reality of it was that these were young men trying to find themselves. And like other societies, they got young men to give up the best part about being young men, you know, fucking partying intoxication. Why? In order to maintain some sort of control and figure out where exactly the goalposts are of what I call my masculinity. And then suddenly people start to, to woke in a very certain way. And these guys found themselves, I can't say this. I can't say that. What can I say? What can I say? Who can I talk to? I can't pick up women. That, you, you know I'm 55 years old and I, I've had a lot of sex in my life. And you know how many people are angry about me over the sex I've had because I've been a creep? You, you know, out of, I mean, we're talking hundreds now, right? Over in the, in the hundred zone. How many of those? Very few. It helps to be really direct. I mean, if you say, hey, come up to my room and we can, we can talk about, you know, your script and we, you fucked up. I don't need to use subterfuge. I go, hey, why don't you come to my room and then we, we could take our clothes off and wrestle. Nobody's confused about what that means. Nobody's confused about what that means at all. Right now, I'm there you go, right on the table. Come to my room to get and we'll wrestle. That's it. Got it. Yes? No? No? Okay. And talk about something else. But there's a crisis. I can't say anything. I can't do anything. Who am I going to be? Well, first of all, there's a whole universe of people who don't work for you. And if you're a celebrity and rich, there's a whole university of people that, that, that would gladly sleep with you for free. But you don't want those because those are sausage platist. 
And if you don't know what that means, get somebody in the comments to explain it to you. Somehow think if they're not a sausage platist that these are the people that you want to go for. Well, treat them better if that's the case. Treat them better if that's the case. So you got Jocko, you got Henry Rollins, you got Glenn Danzig, you got these guys who who want to take a, a super rigid approach to life and make life adhere to this 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 uh, um, uh, 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 to the structure to 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 make things kind of like I do jujitsu, just to slow things down and make them easily manageable. And in my mind, the the frustration comes from the fact that. Yeah, your system is Apollonian, but the world is Dionysian. The, your system is highly controlled, organized, and driven by super ego issues. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't fuck. I got, I got it. My, I got the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. I got it all. But the reality of it is it's a Dionysian world, even in the Bible as it's spelled out. Oh, don't kill. Well, King David killed a bunch. Okay, well, don't fornicate. Well, it covered that neighbor's wife. Yeah, he did a bunch of that too with Absalom. Oh, or no, Absalom was his son. Uh, who uh, Bathsheba's husband, right? Sent kept sending the guy out to get killed. I think that was her name. So we've got mixed messages aplenty. You know, I mean, fortunately for me, my ex stepfather, who I grew up with largely as my father figure from the age of of six to uh, uh, to eighteen was very much kind of uh, not an obvious type of alpha uh, macho cat, which is more maybe more my father. I mean, he. I would say, I, I want to do such and such thing. I would make some bold pronouncement, and my stepfather would go, ah, okay, I think that's a good idea. The fact that he very possibly didn't think it was a good idea gave me pause to analyze the good idea-ness of my good idea. Versus yes, no. So in other words, I came up with an idea that it's it's Dionysus's world. Everything is chaotic. There is no black and white. Everything is gray. Being able to get this motorcycle through that obstacle course has to do with intuition, sensitivity, and some small amount of luck. I know people can't live like that. I know it's uncomfortable to live like that. But this thing where I'm going to do. Now, the people who have made this work, this highly disciplined thing, their lives are similarly spartan and empty of joy-making things. I don't think there's any mistake. I I, I don't think it's any mistake that both, say, Glenn Danzig and, um, and Henry are unmarried. Um, I, I, you know, I, um, uh, um, Jocko is married. And the first thing that comes up when you type in, uh, Jocko Wilnick is my wife would have married a man with soft, uncalloused hands. Now it's, it's easy. It's easy, pretty easy to sell, to sell Apollo. All right. It's pretty easy to sell Apollo because, you know, most fathers are fashioned from the idea of Apollo. Most gods are fashioned from the idea of Apollo, the strict, you know, overarching, you know, uh, father, Uber, Uberman, at the least. So it's very, it's very easy to, to, in actual fact, you know, um, find uh, <laughs> i i don't think that my wife has ever told anybody that one of the reasons that she married me was because i did not have soft calloused hand uncalloused hands i i, I don't know how this would have fit in his calculation but what he's doing is you know he's he's signifying in a certain way that uh that 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 i that i am Against this wave of Dionysus, I am the Apollonian man. I do what I say and say what I do, and I'm, I'm I am I am reliable and right as rain. I am a throwback to the World War II type of American guy. I'm standing up, and my word is my bond, and all that other John Wayne stuff. And you know what happens to guys like that? They come home and they find chaos. 
sometimes, not often, these are gross generalizations, but they find a sausage where a sausage shouldn't be. They find, you know, it's it's a crazy world. You should reasonably, you should reasonably, uh, 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 you should reasonably expect everything and anything. And my my mind wasn't turned into this world until I interviewed the luckiest black man in America, also known as, uh, uh, I, I can't use his real name, uh, uh, Mr. Marcus. That's why I had to pause a bit. I got confused. And he said, you know, everybody talks a good game about being upright and upstanding and this and that. But from my point of view and from what I see, these are the same people that are trying to drag me into bathrooms. It's a David Lynch world. There's what you see and there's underneath what's seen. And I'm hoping to God that these guys because I think they're well-meaning and intentioned guys. I'm hoping to God these guys can make it the fullness of their lives without having that moment, that 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 Satori, you know, consciousness kick in the eye moment where they discover, fuck, it's a crazy fucking world. Think of Al Pacino's uh, speech from Glengarry Glen Ross. Will you die that you're going to go to a place where they're playing harps in heaven and the good are rewarded and the bad are punished? I'm glad you believe that, but I don't. It's like when people tell me they're a Christian, I think they're pre-notifying me of their intent to fuck me over because they will be forgiven. Pacino and Glengarry Glenn Ross is pre-notifying you of his intent to fuck you over because I don't need to be forgiven. It's a crazy world. I'd rather deal with the craziness. We're both coming from the same spot, but their response to a crazy world is let the good make right this evil wrong and I'm with the good and I'm standing there and I just don't, I, 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 I don't know that that makes you the, be the best of all possible warriors. Why? Because I think it, it, it creates the, it, it, it makes you a leader of men. And if you've read any of these poems, Charge of the Light Brigade, any of these, it seems clear to me, if you go to a military cemetery like some of you might be compelled to do, it seems to me that we have rows and rows and rows of white stones standing on their ends in praise of leaders of men. Julius Caesar, leader of men. Jesus Christ, leader of men. Who survives? Who survived? Who are the offsprings of Barabbas? Guy who got lucky. So in other words, I'm saying, he's saying, I'm standing above the muck and the mire. And you can encourage guys. I, I did a piece on Jeremiah Derby, who just got uh, a, a, a full scholarship to University of North Carolina, a wrestling scholarship. He's He's got a fight coming up on June 1st in Outer Banks, North Carolina, where he fights his father, uh, an MMA champ. His father's a boxing champ, an MMA champ, and a wrestling champ. He himself is a boxing champ, a wrestling champ, hasn't only done a couple of MMA matches. Guy's 18, father versus son. Kid is pretty phenomenal. To get where he's got, he's had to do everything his coaches have done. He's been, he's not talked to girls. Fine. I got it. You got to, to get anywhere in life, you need a certain amount. And most people are not disciplined at all. In high school, I was experimenting with discipline, taking the mattress out of my room, put it up against the wall, sleeping on the floor. I'd gotten soft. In the summertime, I'd wear a heavy winter overcoat. In the wintertime, I'd wear a t-shirt. I do what I say. It's all right. I understand that for a 16 year old, for a grown adult man, your world should be full of all kinds of nuance, because when you walk in the door and find a sausage where a sausage shouldn't be, you do not want to break. Other people's rights and interest in be, don't impinge on my ability to land, to set down a flag for who it is, I, for the piece of real estate that I believe to be me as a man. I don't understand these guys, these spate of comedians who are giving it to transgendered people. What? I don't give a shit. You want me to call you she? Cool. You want me to call you he? Cool. You want me to call you they? Cool. It doesn't move my flag in the slightest. Whatever you want, whatever makes you happy. I don't feel impinged upon. I, I, you can't say anything these days. What? 
Well, you know, uh, what? Before you know what I, I couldn't, you know what 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 before I I got married to my wife. Well, I was married again. I was, whatever. Yeah, the point is, listen, in the dating thing, what what happens? I got any complaints because I'm a creep? No, I'm pretty obviously, you know, you know, nobody. That's why mothers liked me and fathers never liked me. Mothers liked me because I was really nice to them and I'd listen and I'd talk and a nice guy and they could see themselves actually having sex with me. So they said, well, like, fuck, you know, he seems like a nice. If my daughter had to have sex with anybody, he does. He seems like he knows what he's doing. And that's why fathers didn't like me because they go, he knows what he's doing. So these cults of strength are, are great at like runways. But a runway is not infinite. <laughs> A runway is not a highway. A runway is not a freeway. A runway is a landing zone. Some place you take off from, some place you go back to, not a place you stay on. And when I see these guys, I see them as essentially being runways that have a pretense of being highways. That's fine. Take that shit and make it a lifestyle. If you're Jocko Wilnick, you've made it pay. Who's that other guy, Marcinic, who was supposed to be the most dangerous man alive, former Special Forces guy, written a bunch of books? I got you. I'm not shaking your hustle. Take that super ego stuff, that you know, Apollo, you know, Apollonian stuff, and drive that straight to the bank. I'm fine with that. But if you really think that you're going to live your life in Rollins with that so is this? I won't take. I won't break. Man, life is going to be tough for you, bro. Life is going to be tough. It's about the branch that bends versus the branch that doesn't bend. I'm bending all kinds of ways. I'm a living example of a guy who succeeded through bending. Why? Because I've thrown myself on the fucking mercy of the court. I'm Barabbas. Do you want to free Jesus or you don't want to free you want to free Barabbas? Free Barabbas. Like, oh man, they're going for me. I was, man, I did not only do I deserve to be fucking crucified. I expected it. And here they're pulling for me. This warms the cockles of my heart. I can't wait to get off this cross and go back to killing them. But if you've been, like I said in the piece that I that I wrote for, for Ozzy, uh, if you have been told, if you have been told your whole life that you are special, super special, it gets it gets it gets really hard to see yourself. It gets hard to I mean guys don't do this anymore. You ever go to a disco, put on your fancy clothes or party, maybe let's not date myself. Go to a party, bring your fancy clothes, there's music going, you want to dance, because you can dance. You go up to a woman, you walk all the way across the room, you look, oh she's cute. I'm gonna go up to her, say, Hey, wanna dance? And she looks says, No. Like, oh <laughs> okay. You walk back and do the fucking loser shuffle back to where you came, or now nah, if you figure things out, you go, oh, okay, cool, and you just make the circuit around the room. Ask the next pretty girl. Ask the next pretty girl. Guys, are not doing that. It's fucking on Instagram, so social networking, rejection. So when rejection in the face of it, somebody said, you know, it's natural. Some guy in the radio, this is natural for eighteen-year-old boys to be excited about guns. We had ways of dealing with that before. You know what we called it? The draft. Most guys spend four years in the Marine Corps or Navy. They don't really give two fucks about guns when they get out. <laughs> Got that? You know, been there, done that, over. A gun is not going to change my life in any overtly positive way. A job will. I need a fucking job. Forget about the guns. I got that out of my system. So, um, so, so, uh, so, you know, I, I appreciate the guy giving, uh, giving, uh, um, uh, you know, his, his son, uh, uh, Jocko's book. But the reality of it is, in my mind, there's something darker afoot here. And people are now calling me crazy, openly calling me crazy. That's fine. Call me crazy. But I want to talk about. Hmm, let me see. How do I how do I put this in the sanest way possible? And if you've listened to the show long enough, 
you know I've said variations of this thing about the whole Chuck Dukowski inspired. I said, oh, I'm an autarchist, the rule of the radically individual. And, and Chuck Dukowski told me, no, that's bullshit, man. That's bu- that, that John Wayne bullshit, the solo hero riding into town. You say, I take 100 dead babies. I take 100 babies. I put them in a field. They come back in a month. They're 100 dead babies. We exist in, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, <laughs> we, we, we exist in, somebody's texting me about the, the, the show. We, we exist inside in, in this, in this world where interlacing world of, of help and survival, we are naturally social creatures and, and have grouped ourselves. So this idea of the rule of the radically individual is some Hollywood hoo-ha based on keeping us separate, based on keeping us from being organized. I go, I got you. But then I also see people who have organized in groups are real easy to pick off. In fact, that organizationally, one of the things that the Nazis did that was super successful was use organizations against organizations. Okay, we need you to form your own police force, elect your own government, and, and make, make these guys do dirty work. Weed out the parsons because we felt in control, because we were controlling the organizations. These were the, would be the Jews at the time. It, re, it gets it gets real easy. It gets real easy to pick off organizations. Every single neo-Nazi group in America right now is is on a list. There are very few that have escaped the kettle. They are watched and they are known. In fact, if I could program killer robots, I could have them all picked up tomorrow. An organization, you know, it, and a guiding and a guiding philosophy are all you need. An organization without a guiding philosophy is not what you need. But a guiding philosophy without an organization, now maybe we're talking. Because it's harder to find the participants to ideas. They got this Fahrenheit 451 movie open up. They talk about books. I haven't seen it yet, but the original makes me think about the original Ray Bradbury the book and the, the Truffaut movie. These are compelling I, I, ideas are, are compelling. And following the boy, boy, Scout, boy Scout credo of, of uh, uh, being prepared, I think it's more about an overriding philosophy and orientation versus an actual organization. Or go embrace that runway, but realize it's a fucking runway. It's a landing strip. It's, it has very limited applications. The idea is to get you in a place where you can, get, you can survive long enough to bring all your energies to bear to be productive. Because I think this call that I've now obsessed with, you have 70 million battle-aged men in China without women because of the, Stephen Mosher was the first guy from Stanford to, 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 to put his finger on the fact that they were social engineering by aborting all the female fetuses and only having, because everybody wanted a son, they could only have one kid. 70 million men between the ages of 18 and 40 who do not have women. That's how many more, how do you think that's gonna play out? Like I say on uh, on V, was it V16, I think one of those earlier shows, uh, or maybe very possibly V17, in the old days, they would hype them up on a hoo-ha about you are special and then send them to places where other special guys were and give all the special people special guns and let them shoot it out. And the ones that made it back alive, when they talk about making America great, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about when all the special guys got back from World War II and used the GI Bill to get their degrees and decide they want to change America. The Hells Angels were created as a product of World War II. Organization. Strong on guiding philosophy became strong in an organization. If I had a killer robot, I could program it to get all the Hells Angels off the street if I wanted. I'm looking more for the the cult of strength is a portion of the runway. Using that to get that plane in the air to someplace else. In other words, that Boy, Boy Scout place of permanent preparation is where we need to be because the call is coming. They go, Eugene, what do you mean? They're not going to start killing people. Well, I just resaw the Avengers. And after the show, a bit after the show, we're going to do You Kill Me. Me and the wife are going to do You Kill Me. So those are you film buffs. Stick around for that. We'll do that for about 20 minutes. But the reality of it is, it was a cold, the cold. I said, they're classifications of people. We're look, we talked about the scale, right? And a few shows ago about tens and fives and fours, where you are on the attractiveness genetic breeding scale. But there's another kind of scale. 
and that scales for social utility. The social utility scale is very different. It's really simple and it's really brutal. Answer yourself a few questions. Through the effort, through the results of your efforts and your labors, are you putting into a system, any kind of system, a tax system, a payroll system? Are you working for somebody that makes, uh, you know, uh, builds things, makes things, uh, builds things, creates things, makes things go? Basics. You could be a middle manager, but somebody is deigned it necessary to pay you. Okay, so you're over here. We're doing a selection, a la the trains at Auschwitz. Get over there. Okay. Um, okay, presuming you get lower on the social utility scale and you don't really do anything necessarily to, to profit the process or the system. Okay, well, we got to analyze your work. Well, your, your labor is not really worth very much, you, you, you know, but you are participating in the system because you live in a first world country. Got it. And you are paying taxes. Okay. All right. So you can stick around. All right. So now you've slipped completely 100% out of social utility. Nothing you do is socially useful. Outside of your labor, maybe, and you're the guy in the in the diamond mines that Oppenheimer runs in Botswana. You're the people digging out the chemicals that make it possible to have uh, 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 cell phones, these smartphones. You're the one who's, you know, the, the grunt labor, quadrillion missile sites. So you are putting your life, your body is your social utility. Utility. Okay, so these people step over to the right. Now we look at the vast majority. If we have the 1% controlling how would it over 80% of the world's wealth, we're talking about we're talking about the other end of that stick. People who have zero social utility and don't have any labor utility either. They're not they're not digging up things, they're not making things, they're not cutting sugarcane, they're not being used to fuel any type of system. We could call these people global deadbeats to be really and randy and tough and miserable and shitty. Let's call them global deadbeats. These are people that without others, the people on the right side of the tracks participating, have no chance. Somebody just told me Brazil is about to go the way of Venezuela. Food shortages, people can't get water, struggling on the streets, uh, robbery, endemic, the, the school system broken, the favela is huger than ever. Um, the people who are below the poverty lines, kids are not going to school. This is generational. This is never going to get better. And the big brains have an understanding of this. It's never going to get better. What do we do? It's not so much that there's overpopulation. There are plenty of places in America where there's nobody. You could put them in. That's not the issue. I'm not building condos in Jackson Hole, Wyoming to put people from the sub-Saharan Africa in. Why would I want to take the global deadbeats from there and move them there? Forget about global deadbeats. We have our own American deadbeats. People who we could, in, in our less charitable moments, if we're trying to be honest with ourselves, go... They're never going to make it, ever. There are aggressive exceptions to this rule. I've seen it plenty of times. There's a kid who I used to see running around my neighborhood in Flatbush in his diaper at midnight, 1230. As a baby, we're talking a two-year-old, three-year-old kid wandering down the street in Brooklyn in his diaper with no shoes. Where's Arlene? Where's his mother? No unknown. This guy has now become like, he's like some Wall Street stockbroker guy. Don't know what to tell you. There are aggressive exceptions to this. I never would have said that kid would have made it. We, I was just talking to him about my mother about him today. Don't know. But I do know, I do know that, that it's more about the process. Use these guys, Jack or Willard. I don't see them necessarily like a Danzig or a, a, a Rollins as living very successfully, successful, functional, well-integrated lives. 
I think they have one very specific kind of thing that they do and they stick to it. And that's how they keep saying, like an Asperger's kid or an autistic kid, they gotta do everything the same so things stay normal. Of course, it's Willinick, it's his hustle. That's cool. That's what he does. Marcinick, that other guy, that's how they make a living. I got it. That's cool. And it's useful for people like when I was 16, super useful. Not so useful as a 55 year old. You need to develop a more nuanced system. And it's, this is the only way I can think of to avoid the call. And whether the call comes as a result of the disease, I don't know if you've been reading about NIV. Okay, if you don't live in a, around a place that's got fruit bats, you're probably safe. Or some of these other global pandemics that they're always talking about. There's going to be a call. And it's a manufactured call. Like uh, some guy once said, you know, there's no famine doesn't exist. What do you mean it doesn't exist, man? I see people on it. Yeah, you see those people, but you know, other people in those countries are eating quite fine. Typically, the people with guns in those countries, they're eating quite fine. So there's a reason why the food is not getting to the people at those countries. Because somebody is social engineering position and how three or four or five Hollywood movies that have this as a continuing theme, this culling from the Avengers to to uh, James or uh, the Kingsman, um, a couple. There were a couple. This is a theme: reducing the population. It's not like the world can't support the population. It's that the population that can't be supported can't be supported. So the call is coming. And if you want to be in a woods with a bunch of other cats or militia, you the power through association. Yes, he said that thing about a hundred babies and a hundred dead babies. That's fine. I think it pays to be lean, mean, nimble, and aware. Speaking of which, in the last five minutes of this show, I'm going to talk about <laughs> about this fight that we just had. I don't know if you know. This is the second week of a care don't care preview in which. There was I only had one one fight that I cared about. Only one. Only one. And uh, John Nash was pretty excited because he had a good week with it. With, I mean, if I'm picking one, I'm I'm rolling the dice, right? I'm I'm rolling. But you know, I, I mean, it, I, I, so John is feeling pretty happy, and he thought he he thought he would have another. I only care. He said, "Yo, you're gonna care." Or it was, I didn't do it with John. Actually, I did it with Kid Nate. And I see what some of you saying. Um, I'm seeing what some of you saying that that they that uh, uh, to, to Stephen Thompson, Wonder Boy, got robbed. Gives a fuck. Who gives a fuck? Who gives? A, I you know I, I didn't care about this fight. I didn't care about this fight. That one's and, and it, it, this was justified in Darren Till not being able to make weight. Did he, I don't know if he ultimately even made weight. I'm looking. I'm looking right now. Did he make weight or did he not make weight? In any in any case, the one fight that I cared about on it, I think, was uh, um, uh, Danny and Breeze. And after I talked up a good game for why I like this fight and why I really cared about this fight and how you know why the whole the the manner in which I come to like this fight. And then uh, Kid Nate says, Kid Nate says, so you're going to pick Kelly? And I go, no, I love to watch Kelly fight, but I don't think he's going to win this fight. I'm going to pick Breeze. And, of course, Breeze won. Um, So TKO, first round. They didn't give a shit because the way I said it about Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, the guy's lits. Lost in the supermarket, and now he's in even a fundamentally different place. Is he lost battalion? No, he's not lost battalion. He's Phantom Tollbooth. He's a good fighter who's just there, but who's going nowhere. Going nowhere. Oh, he got he got robbed. Uh, well, you know what? People who get robbed put themselves in a position to be robbed. I also said I thought Neil Magny would win, but I didn't care about the fight because he beat Craig White. Who gives a fuck? I got to read some more to find out. I don't remember after watching the fight whether he made the weight or not. 
you watch in a place where you can't hear stuff. So those, I didn't care about any of the fights. And, I, you know, nobody's texted me, tweeted me today, said, oh, you should watch this one. Some people actually did that with that, that South American UFC, that was in Chile, where you said, oh, man, the, you, the first fight in the card was good. You should watch it. I, I, haven't, I haven't been able to get to it yet, but I will watch that one, the very first one. So, of course, you could say, well, look, the, the fact that there was even an entire UFC was eclipsed by the ESPN news and then, you know, the whole WWE, WWE news. And, you know, uh, man, something never changes and never changes is that while these guys are building these great edifices to themselves and the sport that they created, the bricks that they're using are being left to fucking rot. Specifically, the fighters not okay doesn't matter to them it's a delta those bricks rot or they're rotten well i'm gonna have some more bricks come through i know because people are still thinking it's a dream like word up magazine me and heavy d let's talk to mark coleman and find out how much of a dream is a mark kerr we don't have to go back that far what about rico rodriguez and wes sims we don't even have to go back that far. What about Stipe Miocic with his fireman job? It's not a job. You keep expecting it. Nobody in combat sports will ever invest in fighter development. They don't give a fuck. They'd invest in the churn, in the process, in the overriding philosophy. The philosophy, in this case, casino politics, that the house always wins. Always. You want to form an organization, you know, want to establish a runway to form an organization and think that that's going to take off. The runway never takes off. The runway never becomes a highway. These past two weeks of fights have been some of the worst I've ever seen. Thank God I was out of this country. Do I feel bad or angry about it? Absolutely not at all. It is what it is. We figured something out in the long run. Lorenzo and Frank were probably pretty bright guys. Probably, I could just take that word probably out of there, right? I could just take it out. I'm going to take it out. The degree to which MMA was going to succeed is the degree to which it did what it did without going down the road to boxing. And that's precisely what we're doing if the bald one is becoming a boxing promoter. You're taking the worst of the, the worst of the best and combining them, and it's not going to be anything that anybody wants to see, which is why the WWE got billions connected to their sale. Because at least I can control my reality there. It's not what happens in the ring. It's what happens outside the ring. It's a dramatic intent, and that's everything that the, 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 the UFC doesn't have at this point. Shit you develop from the show where you get these guys out, and then you destroy them just to send a point. These are unstable systems. Unstable systems can't be trusted. Any guy in Silicon Valley, some of the big venture capital guys, so how do you how do you pick your winners? How do you pick your winners? How do you pick your winners? He goes, you know, I don't pick the winners. I pick the pickers. The leaders. I talk to them. I spend a day with them. Hang out with them for an hour, two hours, three hours lunches. Because those are the guys that make the difference. <laughs> Not that permanent sub subclass of global deadbeats who are not contributing. You think I'm talking about greedy bread gobblers or work shy individuals? No. Because those people want to contribute. You take those number of so-called global deadbeats and subtract out from those global deadbeats the people who really want to improve their lot in life. So you twenty so percent, let's say twenty percent of the world's most indigent. Of that 20%, I would venture a guess that 15 of those percent of those people, they don't want they don't want to fish. They want to be taught how to fish. And you gotta help them. You got. The question is, what do you do with the intransigent five percent of people who are like, working can wait, 
This is paradise. Republicans would like to believe that this number is much larger. Globally, I'm going to have to say it's 5% because there's a lot of misery that comes from being in that 20%. How do you clean it up? How do you clear it out? Don't know. Should know. So this week, Tuesday, which would be two days from now, we are going to do If the Shoes Fit on Bloody Elbow. Com. There's a YouTube channel, MMA Nation. For those of you who stuck around and want to hear about the housekeeping, this is good stuff. Listen to it usually at 7.20 Pacific Standard Time. Right after that, it's uh, If the Shoes Fit. So we start off with If I Did It. Sorry, I misspoke. If I Did It from 7.20 for half an hour. And then the second half an hour of the show is If the Shoes Fit. The idea is that we solve your PR kerfuffles. If, the, if I did it, we solve them inside the world of MMA. If the shoes fit, we do it outside the world of MMA. Because some of you had complained and didn't care about our political takes and our non-MMA sports takes. So we do it both, inside and outside the fence. That's 720 on Tuesday. If there's a fight next weekend, typically Kid Nate and I or John Nash, Wednesday morning or Thursday morning, we'll do the Care Don't Care preview. If we have many more fights where there's only one fight on the card, we will cease doing the care, don't care preview. It's pointless. Nothing says don't care like one fight you care about on a card of 15 fights. Don't tell me I should care about the other 15 fights because you've done nothing to prepare me for caring about them. If you want to buy Oxbow's Thin Black Duke, you should. It's a good record. I wouldn't say it if it wasn't. Same with Boone Wells. B-U-N-U-E-L, the easy way out. Subscribe to Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper on YouTube, and you get notified every time we do a show. Simple. Click a thumbs up if it pleases you to do so. And uh, I got to do some housekeeping here, but in about 15 to 20 minutes, uh, me and the wife are going to come back with You Kill Me movie reviews for reprobates. Until then, I hope you enjoyed the show. Go to patreon.com slash the stomper. You know, donate a dollar or something. Whatever. Whatever you got. Any case, uh, uh, the show is done. I've gone a little bit over. I guess that's okay. The show is done, and you know what I say to end it? As always, you know it is. Look what you made me do! Ah!